0: Hello, and welcome to Real Dog Talk with Perfectly Imperfect Pups. Real dogs, real people with real talk. Brought to you today by Love Is Art. Love Is Art is our Perfectly Imperfect Pups annual fundraiser. We are in the planning stages now. Please let us know if you'd like to sponsor. Today, we are doing things a little different, so I am not Nicole Kincaid, I am the other Nicole, and we switched it up a little bit today, so I will be hosting, continuing our conversations around behavioral euthanasia. So some of you may wonder how this topic came to be, so we figured that today's episode would be great to let Nicole Kincaid, director of Perfectly Imperfect Pups, share her story and why this topic is important to her, why it should be educated about and talked about and just talked about. Today, we are drinking coffee and water because, mm-hmm. you know, Wednesday. Wednesday morning. fine. It's good. Um, so, yeah, with that, um, you all know her. You all love her. So, Nicole, we'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your experiences with behavioral euthanasia and specifically let's talk about Wyatt and get your story and Wyatt's story and how it all came to be.
1: Yeah, um, so how it all came to be is... um, I think it's a topic that really needs to be focused on and talked about. Um, it needs to be uh, a normalized conversation. And so I started down this and was um, actually kind of overwhelmed with the amount of people that wanted to tell their story. Um, and within, it's not as I don't talk about why it often um, because uh, it's a stigma. When As soon as you say you had to behavioral euthanasia a dog, people are give you that eye and they don't know how to talk to you about it after. And so this whole series is to make that conversation more normal. So I don't talk about why it often because generally the stigma of it and being judged. And it gets really hard and it, it makes it much harder to like grieve for your pet when people are judging you for decisions you made so that 's how this whole series came about. So why it came to me at my old rescue as um, he was actually a bottle feeder and um, with another foster. And he was diagnosed with mega esophagus as he was probably like five or six weeks when he was diagnosed. And um, he came to me um, for, he was actually my first mega e-dog. That's another um, you know disease that I talk a lot about. He was my first mega ever mega e-dog. And we went down this journey together of how to figure out mega e. <clears throat> when he was probably about seven or eight weeks old, Um, He regurgitated, which is part of mega esophagus, and literally died in my arms. And I brought him to the emergency vet. I drove with my knee. I have zero clue how I made it to the vet um, and was resuscitating him, giving him CPR the entire drive. We brought him back to life. He got put in an oxygen tank. They actually recommended I euthanize him um, because he was in such bad shape with um, the aspiration. Um, that, and I said, well, let's give him the night and see how he does. Um, and then he did fine. He pulled through the night. Um, and the reason why I say that story to begin with is because I do believe his death and being brought back to life had something to do with his brain not being quite good. Right. Um, it, that's of course my theory. Um, it's logical, though. It is logical, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his issues started really young. Once we got him healthy with the mega esophagus, he had to have a major heart surgery. Um, after that surgery and after he healed, um, I noticed with him, he never settled. He was always going and on edge, pacing, and... Um, moving, um, stressed, like his body would never just settle. Um, and then he started picking fights in the household over zero, over nothing. Like it, there was no predictability with him. Um, and it got to the point and mostly it was with, um, Zeke. Um, and I do believe that some of Zeke's, Zeke's behavioral issues have to do with the fact that Wyatt picked on him so so badly. Um, and um, he's, I can't even tell you the amount of times that he's in, sent Zeke to the emergency room. And Zeke was two times his size. Um, there were, t- I have so many pictures of Zeke where he had to have his head shaved because the wounds were so bad that they had to get in there and like, you know, stitch them up. Um, one time we landed at a, um, we had to go to a, uh, an eye doctor because he scratched um Wyatt scratches Zeke's cornea, um, and it got to the point where if anybody came to the door, if anybody was in the lawn, if anybody was in the neighborhood, if any, if there was a sound that wasn't normal, if there was a anything that wasn't of our normal day to day, it would send Wyatt in some sort of frenzy of sorts, um, and he never. He never really went after people, but I—the list of people that got bit trying to break up the dog fights—is like endless. And so it got to the point where I couldn't have people over because that would trigger Wyatt, and then there would be a dog fight. Um, and it just—it it became where Wyatt's behavioral issues ruled our entire lives and put a negative impact on my other dogs right um they were afraid of Wyatt like if Wyatt you know even just like anything happened they would all kind of look at Wyatt like is he going to go off like it, it was almost like they knew um and then once he went off when everything after that he was fine like it was just like a switch like he was fine after it like what's the problem like why is everybody upset why does Zeke have all these like it never not that they carry guilt or anything but it it just it was a switch on and off with his Mm. stuff and we had so many trainers um from group classes to personal one-on-one training um he was on medication Huxley's making his way into the podcast as he normally does um did the
0: medications ever do anything do you notice the difference
1: never it never touched him it it like a medication might work for like like start to work and then it would just stop like it's it's almost like his brain was too fast for a medication to catch it Mm -hmm. I know that it, it just it never did anything even the stuff that was supposed to be like you know right away um you know, the medication that was supposed to, you know, calm their nerves right away didn't touch him. Um, and, you know, when he went to the vet, a lot of times we had to muzzle him. Only certain vets would work with him because he just, you know. And so we went through a parade of med- different medications, different medication combinations, different trainings with him. Um, it helped. We had him, I had him in agility for a little while. Um, God, he loved agility, and it kill it. Uh, I can close my eyes and see how happy he was in agility, but it didn't. I couldn't keep him in agility twenty four seven, and the agility helped him focus a little bit more. But that focus never stayed longer than our agility class. Like after agility class, he might be a little bit more calm, but not. It never lasted um, more than just a little bit after class. And even then, it didn't always last. So sometimes the act of just walking back into the house after being out in training caused a fight with him because hmm. it was something new. So like, you know, it, it, it just, I don't think people understand when we talk about behavioral euthanasia, the point that we all get sure. to, it's not a decision. We just like wake up one morning and decide.
0: Because at this point, it had been a few years that you had gone through this. So, you know, yes, the story started early. However, how many different accommodations did you make and all the effort and all the love and all the tears you put in? And, you know, and it's not just one or two dogs in your house. There are multiple dogs and you foster and you have this huge impact in your household that, you know, you want to do what's best and understanding what's best is not always it takes a lot to get to what the where you're at
1: it did it got it, you know it it didn't happen overnight it um it was a lot of tears um you know trying everything with him um and just you know i think i what the the incident that set us to the point of where i even considered it was when he sent when he scratched? Why it's cornea, and we actually or um, Zeke's cornea, and we actually thought he was going to go blind in one eye. And at that point, I remember thinking, like, who lives like this? Like, who can live like this? Like, management only works part of the time because all you have to do is leave a gate open, um, uh, or a crate open, or, or or somebody walk up to the house. Um, you know, I have a sign on the door that says, do not knock on the door. Um, and like, if I would see people walking through the neighborhood, like selling stuff, I would be, I would be on edge. Cause I was like, even though I have that sign, are they going to respect that? And so I'd be constantly walking, watching out the window to see if they were going to come near the house, because that would set Wyatt off into a frenzy. So it got to the point of like, how do I continue managing this? Cause I don't, know that it is and is Wyatt really happy? Like is he he never relaxes. Even when he fall he would fall asleep like on the couch with me, like one noise or one, you know, raise in the television that were show we were watching, he would be up and like ready. Like what do I have who do I have to fight? What do I have to do? Who's going on? What's going on? So he would never relax. Like, and I can't imagine Living like that. And so I um, I talked to my vet first about it. And um, I think when I chatted with her, we said, let's try this one more medication. Let's just try this one more combo. And we did. And zero, nothing. Um, and then I um, talked to a few trainers about it. Because at the time, I didn't really... Like, we had done it with the rescue but I had never personally had to make that choice. And so I didn't even know where to begin. Um, and so I talked to a few of the trainers that I had worked on with. And somebody had suggested um, a behavioralist who um, uh, taught, I wouldn't call it, it's her specialty, but she she had guided other people <laughs> um, through this. And so um, I invited her to the house and um, she met Wyatt and we talked a lot about it. And at the end, she said, you know, you can continue managing, but I, this is really a negative impact on y'all. Like, this is not healthy. Right. And, um, and I don't think you're ever going to get Wyatt to the point of no longer having to manage the household. Um, and, um, you know, she said, you know, if you want my opinion, I do recommend PE. And so like I had to wrap my head around that. What does that look like? What do I do? How do I do that? How do I tell people? Mm -hmm. And like it, it sucked so fucking badly that you couldn't just, when your dog is diagnosed with cancer, like you, you get all this empathy. Oh my gosh, your dog was diagnosed. But when you say, well, nothing is working and we're thinking about behavioral euthanasia. You don't get that. And so, like, it was hard. Like, I couldn't talk to everybody about it. Like, I couldn't I couldn't chat with everybody about it. And I talked through my issues. So that was important for me to talk through it, and I didn't have that really ability. So, of course, I chatted with my mom for a long time, who had seen our struggle with it. Uh, probably the most, because she was the most at the house and saw the fights and... um saw the way Wyatt was and um just knew the the pain that our household felt you know like I couldn't couldn't leave the boys home with Wyatt like even though they're young I didn't want to give them, them to get bit so Wyatt I always had to contain Wyatt if I was going someplace or <clears throat> make special accommodations for him cuz I didn't want him in, to attack another dog when I wasn't home so I actually probably stopped going out as much <clears throat> with, when I had him and traveling and all of that just because it was so hard to manage. And then, you know, it was, it's hard because 90% of the time he was fine. Oh, well, Zeke's out. Um, Zeke <clears throat> came to visit us. Um, 90% of the time, it was um, he was fine. And then the other five to ten percent, you just never knew when that time was going to happen. And so, for hundred percent of the time, you're on edge, right? Because you never knew when that ten percent of Wyatt's meltdowns were going to happen. What was going to trigger it? Um, and and- that
0: edge is different too, I think, because you know you're always on guard when you have multiple dogs in the house. Like mm. you never—they're at the end of the day. We, you know, they're not logical all the time like a human is so you're always watching with that you know kind of assimilation into the house and the dynamic of the house and the pack and you know you do really well like when people come over who needs to be where at that time until everyone settles and everything else but to not know when that's going to come is you know just so much more impactful on a pack in a household yeah that you know and it's not just your standard like oh we never know what's going to happen so we're just going to pretend it doesn't exist like you have seen the repercussions of it and what happens and what that looks like and all of that i feel like has gone into the decision to get you to the be point and i think people truly need to understand like It is not a light decision by any means. It is not your typical aggressive dog. It is, well, I hate the word aggressive, but it's not your typical, like, dog fight in the house. It is, it's different. It is. And to, the fact that there's a stigma on it is just infuriating in itself. We have gone through it in the rescue world. Like, it's, sometimes you really have to come back to, is he, like, fundamentally can a dog be a dog and part of that is that settling and not being reactive all of the time right and I just I feel like this series of a podcast has just really helped hopefully helped people understand and your story is helping people understand that it's a difference and this is a sickness you know you mentioned when they get diagnosed with cancer you get an empathy behind you all we know is there's a dog fight. Like, being one of your best friends, like, oh, there's a dog fight at Kincaid's house. It happens sometimes. But, like, to know that your whole entire life stopped for, what, five years yeah. to manage this is hard. Yeah. It is hard. And it's not taken lightly. And BE itself is not taken lightly. And it shouldn't be. However, it also should not be
1: judged. Agreed agreed and a lot of people ask me about well why don't you just rehome him he wasn't safe to rehome right he wasn't safe to um to when we were in public i had to be very careful with him like he cuz 90% of the time he was fine in public and then there was that 10% so like he wasn't safe to rehome he wasn't safe to and Um, You know, we chatted about this in the the past podcast. Like, it's a mental illness with them. Mm -hmm. And people don't view dogs as having a mental illness, but they can have a mental illness, and they do have mental illnesses. And I truly believe that Wyatt mentally just was not there anymore. He was not a normal dog, and medication didn't help. And so when the behavioralist, had suggested that, you know, I deep dived into it. Like, what does it look like? Googled it, all of that. There's not a lot out there about it. Mm-mm. And there's not a lot of help out there uh, with it. And so I had to go through a lot of it on my own. Cause I had to figure this out. Um, and you know, confined in my mom, um, and as hard as it was for her, She understood where I was coming from and agreed with what they had suggested. And so, um, I once I wrapped my brain around it, I did, you know, talk to my vet who is, you know, also a friend of mine and scheduled that with her. And, uh, my mom brought me and Wyatt that day. And God, it was, um, he was so excited to get in the car, like, oh, we get to go on a car ride. And, you know, little did he know that it was unfortunately going to be his last ever car ride. So, of course, you know, we did everything that we could. He also had the element of megasophagus, so, like, I had to be careful. Like, we couldn't feed him a cheeseburger on the way there. Um, but um, the day before, we spent the entire day together and just kept telling him that, you know, this wasn't his fault. He did not do anything. And, you know, it was, um, it was hard because I knew he didn't understand, but I felt better telling him that. So we brought him in and so they give him the shot before they actually do the euthanasia to kind of calm them down. And, um, it normally just, you know, it's, you know, one little shot of medication and they settle. They kind of go into a very light sleep. Wyatt never settled. Like, his brain never stopped. He never laid down. They had to give him like three or four of that pre-medication just to get him to settle and even then, even then, he just, after I think the third or fourth vial, he finally like somewhat settled but like, That's, for me, solidified that his brain just wasn't there, wasn't normal, and how hard it would have was for him to live that way. Like, I can't imagine how much his brain was on overdrive and how much he had to battle on a daily basis just to try and be a dog in a productive society and a productive household and to battle his demons. And so um, that was the day that, you know, we said goodbye to Wyatt. And, um, you know, Zeke's never fully healed from it. He still has some issues, but his are very predictable, very manageable, um, and where Wyatt's were never predictable and never manageable. And I think that that's a difference that people need to understand is you can have a dog that has some behavioral issues, and you, you learn those triggers, and you learn how to manage them, and you learn you know that, and if you can get ahead of it all the time and you can um, pay attention to it, then that's manageable. If it's constant or never manageable, or you never know when it's going to happen, those are times that you know you really need to look at alternatives, and that's where we were with. Wyatt, and that's where we're at with Zeke is he's manageable. So do I still have dog fights? Sometimes, yeah, but have I ever, ever had to go to a an eye specialist because of that or even really, you know, even an emergency room? No, because they're really quick and manageable now. When there is a dog fight, there's always going to be a dog fight within a multi-dog sure. home, but it's never. There was – Wyatt's fights were to a, a different level. His attacks were from a different level, and I can – um, see almost the pain in his eyes when he would go into attack mode, <clears throat> and it was it was terrible. It was just, and I struggle with my decision, but I know that I made the right decision for him as much as the right decision for my household, including my furry and human children.
0: Sure, it was hard. And I think again, the piece of it is, you know, like, exactly what you just said. There is a difference between unpredictable and predictable. Yeah, you know, you can watch a dog's body language. You learn things when you have a reactive dog in the house, and when they're unpredictable like that, the the danger is just on a whole new level to your pack. To the two-legged and the four-legged in your back and just in general yeah. and the impact and yes we tell people on the regular like you do everything you can your dogs are your family and there's times you know that doing what's best is not the easiest decision but it is what's best in general and you know you made the responsible educated decision this is you know we're not telling people Oh, well, your dog got in a fight. You know, that's what behavioral euthanasia is. There is so much more to it. And we really, you know, I thank you for sharing your story. Um, I'm not gonna lie, audience, this is only the second time I've heard it. So, um, you know, it's it's an emotional educational story to hear and we hope you listen and we hope you learn something. Yeah. Um, you know, and you guys don't get to see what I get to see, but there is definitely an emotion behind all of this, and yeah. you know. And you this know. has
1: been a hard series for me to do because for I knew sure. it was leading up to Wyatt's story, and it brought a lot of um, uh, emotions back, and you know, questioning. But I think it was also therapeutic for me um, to chat with other people and hear a very similar tale, mm-hmm. right? They all have those 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 stepping stones that. I went through with Wyatt and where that decision finally, you know, that one, it's always one incident that set, I shouldn't say always, most of the time, one incident that just set that person into like, is behavioral euthanasia the best thing for us at this point in time? And so it's like a very similar steps that people have taken to get to that point. So it's therapeutic as much as it was hard to chat with other people about this. But like you said, it's, it's, it's got to be a topic that people can discuss mm-hmm. and it's got to be a topic that people understand if somebody comes to you, how to receive and be a good friend.
0: Right. And again, you know, giving people that form to talk about it, I think is huge. Yeah, um, And just understanding like how different would it have been for you if you had people to talk about it. You mentioned at the beginning of this and I saw it too, the number of people that reached out to us to Talk on the podcast about it. Um, actually sparked us to create our Facebook page for the podcast, so people can go and have a conversation, not just around behavioral euthanasia, but in general, all the topics we talk about. Yeah. Um. You know, the rule is always be kind, and just this doesn't go any less with that. It is right. Let people talk. Be kind, and you know, we invite you to go and check out that Facebook page. It is just real dog talk on Facebook. Um. And, you know, kind of leads into the next episode in the series, which you mentioned it being therapeutic. We are working with a grief counselor for the next session. Um, So next week, next episode, you will hear us talking with a grief counselor. Um, Losing your pet is always hard, but losing your pet with behavioral euthanasia is always just that extra Level Huxley is agreeing with us on that Huxley one. Huxley hit the
1: microphone. Huxley's yes. always part of our podcasts.
0: Yeah, he loves us. I For those of you that can't see, I have a rope in my lap, and it has not left my <laughs> lap since Huxley we started. Huxley wants you to throw it. Yes. Yes. Um, so we will be joined with a grief counselor yep, on our next episode. And that will episode. be our last
1: episode in this behavioral euthanasia. We're going to have to – Huxley, please stop. We're going to have to do some much lighter – Yes. podcasts we will be bit.
0: broadcasting from the beach we will be yes yep mm-hmm. broadcasting on my radio days are coming back i know uh <laughs> but we'll be having a fun conversation around that i think is on one of our episodes coming through so yeah but again thank you for sharing your story
1: thanks the, for hosting today hey
0: it was fun i want to yeah. do it again okay yeah.
1: you can have host uh, power sometimes yep i'll give them up to you
0: <laughs> i like <sighs> it Uh, so thank you for listening thank you for coming on our journey with us please go join our check out our facebook page join the group Um, give us your feedback your comments again be kind be thoughtful and you know we love to hear what you guys are thinking
1: yep thanks everybody